So in this passage, which is about sperm whales, I'm in the Caribbean off the island of Dominica with a scientist named Shane Giro, and we are listening for sperm whales with microphones that are dropped over the side of the boat. The whales spend about 50 minutes out of each hour hunting thousands of feet below the surface and their echolocation clicks that they use to create their sonar are the loudest sound made by a living thing. They have a social organization like elephants, which usually a, a matriarch or the oldest female and her daughters living together. And it's a babysitting culture where when those whales are down for almost an hour at a time, the babies cannot follow, little babies cannot follow. So there's always somebody who stays up with them if the mother is making one of those foraging dives. So the way we find them is that we drop the microphone and then we listen and we either hear whales or if we don't hear any, we move along. So here's the passage from the book. We've failed to find whales so far. And after some interval that I'm not closely keeping, our boat is again undulating across the massage of long swells over to the next spot where we will again listen to the sounds of the deep sea. The blue-gray sea is slick and hazy bright. It is both eternal and instantaneous. We travel along in small ecstatic sparks of time. We transit in and out of the company of flying fish of turns. The sea glittering rolls like a carpet of short blue flames. Something like time must be passing, but I feel suspended in an infinite moment that seems to vibrate in place. Perhaps from the whales, I have learned something about living. At this stop, Shane, listening to his headphones, raises one finger. He hears whales. More than one. Their sonar goes tick tick. One whale goes silent. She has stopped hunting. Over the next few minutes, others also silence their sonars. From two or three thousand feet beneath the waves, in the frigid blackness where they earn their livings, they are coming up, up, up. A few minutes later, the dark heads and backs of two whales shatter the hard sparkle of the sea like tiny newborn islands the coastline of their bodies generating their own surf. Their white puffs drift on the distance. I listen to them clicking out of their clacking coats of recognition, announcing themselves as individuals, announcing their family membership, announcing the clan in which they claim membership. They are braiding their message of bonding and belonging. Their sound, highly styled, is percussive and precise like castanets. As I listen, their codas go in and out of phase with each other. Sometimes they're perfectly separated. Sometimes their clicked codes completely overlap like conversations at a busy table. Three others burst the surface, so a total of five up now. And what I am left with is this impression. A whale is too big to see. At a time, you get pieces. Now the head, now the back, now the flukes never the whole whale. In Rome once, I said to my wife, Patricia, we've now seen Michelangelo's painting of the creator, but what would the creator's own painting of creation look like? I think that is easy to answer now. It is these whales in this sea.
The whales that this ocean has brought forth seem, in their pacing and their scale, to reflect the enormity of all things past and present. You're listening to stories, poems, music from The Creative Process. To hear our full interview with Carl Safina, visit The Creative Process Arts, Culture and Society podcast. This podcast is produced by Mia Funk with the participation of collaborating universities and students. Thanks for listening.